Welcome back to Candid. This is, um, I'm going to call it the first of our Photokina coverage series of episodes. Uh, Photokina is a week of fun for camera nerds. It happens in Germany once every two years. Is it? Is it always in Germany? I'm not sure. I seem to remember a Photokina in New York City a few years ago. So I, I guess it just uh, switches places every now and then. Bit. But most of the time, it does feel like it's in Germany. Yeah. Well, in any event, it's a it's a big um, convention for uh, camera manufacturers and and sort of imaging technology companies to showcase their newest, um, you know, their latest and greatest cameras and devices and so on and so forth. Um, this year, we're lucky enough that Alvaro is attending the show in person. Yeah. Um, so what we figured we'd do is uh, do a, kind of like a, a series of short episodes with our reactions to the news from each of the major camera brands that we know are, you know, announcing things. So um, today is Sony day. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a Sony shooter, uh, you're, you know, you're in for a treat. I, I was in for a treat. Let me tell you that it was an amazing day. And the, the thing is, um, so that you guys understand there, this is just such a big event and there are so many companies announcing and presenting things and so many exhibit booths that it's literally impossible to see everything. And of course, it's also impossible to talk about everything on the show. So even if we wanted to do a massive special episode covering all of Photokina, it just wouldn't be enough. So that's why we decided to go with shorter episodes. Hopefully you guys enjoy them and it'll also make them easier to digest, I think. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to it. All right. So before we dig into the Sony stuff, because um, this is you know sort of the first time we've got someone at a show like this, um, I figured I'd just ask you a little bit about how you um, packed for a show, you know, and, and how you're traveling in terms of the camera gear you brought with you. Yeah. Well, it, this this week is being a revelation for me in that sense because I am experimenting with a new type of travel kit. Uh, usually, I either take my Ona bag, my leather Brixton, or my Think Tank bag when I'm when I'm away on a trip. This is the first time I've I'm traveling with a backpack as my main right. camera bag, and I'm using not a camera backpack, which is a bit ironic. <laughs> I'm actually using a regular backpack, a Gorak GR1. And I'm using a camera insert with it. A very, very bright orange camera insert. Yeah, it's hideous looking, but it works very well. It's made by a Chinese company called A-Mode, uh, I seem to remember. Uh, and, and it's great. It's full of, uh, you know, configurable dividers and everything. You can set it up however you want to. And it fits, it just happens to fit the GR1 almost perfectly. So it was a great solution for me. I decided to give it a try, and so far I'm really, really happy with it. And and awesome. that's as far as the as the bag goes. But in terms of the actual kit that I brought with me, I think I'm kind of paying the price of being a rookie at this type of at this type of event uh, because I brought basically everything I own with me, and I realized I, I bought I brought basically the Sony A7 II with the four lenses that I own, which are the 24 to 70 f4 the 70 to 200 f4, the 5518, and my latest uh, lens, which is the 3514, which I was really eager to, to try. And the thing is, out of all of those lenses, I've only used one today, which was the 3514. And I only used it at f4 or narrower, because at f1.4, there's just not enough depth of field to just show anything yeah. in focus. <laughs> so I'm thinking tomorrow, I'm just going to bring the 24 to 70 and be done with it. Because really, it's not worth it to carry so much stuff. Yeah, that sounds sensible. Yeah, because, you know, Photokina is not just a technology show. There's, It's also a 
creative photography event and there are lots of workshops, lots of opportunities for you to test uh, your, your camera, to try new shooting styles, to try new scenarios and opportunities that you normally don't get, like shooting in a really cool studio with uh, gorgeous models or sports people. There was even some guys actually fighting, you know, with Kung Fu style and, <laughs> and that sort of thing, which you don't typically see, especially in Spain. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So I wanted to be ready for that. But the truth is, there's just not enough time to do everything. And I'm pretty busy as it is. So I'm just going to go for the safe bet. And tomorrow I'm just taking the 24 to 70, maybe the 35 too, because I want to have something that's capable of better low light shooting. But other than that, I'm leaving a ton of stuff at home because it's just it's just too much. And my back was a little bit hurting towards the, the end of the day. So, well, I can imagine. I mean, it is, you know, thinking about this, if you had been um, carting around the DSLR equivalent of that kit, then your back would really oh, yeah. be hurting. But at least with a mirrorless <laughs> with a mirrorless option, you're, you're OK. It's still manageable. Speaking of the yeah, and speaking of DSLR equivalents of my kit, that's precisely what Sony announced today. Oh, nice segue. Well, not, not exactly of my kit, but of the, seven, uh, the A7R2, which is the higher end uh, A7 series camera. Well, today Sony announced the, 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 the A-mount camera, which is Sony's uh, DSLT, I think they called it, because it's not technically a DSLR because the mirror yeah. doesn't move. Sony uses a technology that's called translucent mirror technology in which the light passes through the mirror onto the sensor and the mirror itself doesn't move, which is a pretty cool engineering trick and it works really well. So anyway, they announced the new flagship of the A-mount system, which is sort of an equivalent camera to the A7R2, but just on an entirely different category, an entirely different collection system, you know? And and it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I actually got to try it today and I was very impressed with it. So let me try to start at the beginning. Yeah, rewind a bit, because first of all, this thing that Alvaro is talking about is called the A99 um, Mark II. Exactly. Uh, and this is like, it's Mark II because there was an A99, uh, the, the original version, but that's like quite a few years old at this point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And people had been concerned and with reason that the A-mount system was dead because Sony seemed to put all of their development effort into the E-mount. Right. And the A-mount system had been kind of uh, forgotten for, for a while there. And it's just a shame because it's really, really functional technology. It works very well. And the lens ecosystem is great. They have a full lineup. They have even some lenses that are unique to the A-mount system that are not available on any other camera system, like the 135mm f1.8 lens, which is just fantastic. And so it, it was a bit of a shame that the system had been abandoned or seemingly abandoned for so long. But this new A99 Mark II inherits sort of a similar sensor from the A7R2, but it at the same time, it retains its own autofocus system. So it has kind of a dual autofocus system thing going on. It's kind of a hybrid. And uh, it it uh, that was basically Sony's uh, main point during the event. They hammered home that the AF system was incredible, and it was. And all of the hands-on uh, events that we, we had the opportunity to shoot the camera with, they were all action-geared uh, type of things, like dancers, like fighters, and all of that. People moving, basically, where the camera is supposed to be able to track motion 
very precisely, and it did. And what about because you were telling me that it actually allows you to do some customizing as you would on a kind of sports focused uh, camera like the um, you know the Nikon and the Canon flagships, the one Ds and the D one Xs, and all the similar sounding ones, where you can actually tweak the continuous autofocus algorithm to prioritize certain kinds of behavior so that depending on what kind of motion you're tracking, it does a better job of it. So yeah. this this does the same thing? Yeah, it does exactly that. And this is a departure from Sony's usual uh, autofocus philosophy, at least in recent years. Sony seemed to believe that the AF system should be smart enough that the user would never have to worry about it. Right. And it, would, it should never have to uh, bother tweaking. That, that It should just figure it out. Uh, but the reality is not that simple. Uh, the truth is, even when you're trying to track a subject, people sometimes cross in front of that person or behind, and the, the camera might get confused. Yeah. So in the end, they did what other manufacturers have done for a while, which is they give you the choice to tell the camera how you want it to handle those situations. So now you can tell it to keep focus on the tracked subject at all times, even when there are interruptions, or you can configure it to always switch focus to the nearest subject. And that's that makes a great difference. I was uh, I didn't have enough time to test that particular feature because all I spent were like 15 minutes with the camera. Right. But I, I was busy trying other stuff. But I can definitely see how that would make a huge impact on the number of keepers that you get. Because the, the, the very few autofocus shots that I got were precisely due to that. When when the two dancers, for example, would cross each other, my focal plane would switch and the camera would get lost for a second right. there. If I could if I would have told it to just keep focus on the same subject at all times, I guess it would have done a much better job. Tell me a bit about the EVF because I, I hadn't read too much in the press releases and the initial reactions about it, but that to me that's a, a pretty important thing now on uh, on cameras is is how first of all the refresh rate and what kind of lag we can expect because I feel like when um, when you're talking to people who are used to shooting sports on DSLRs or through optical viewfinders in general. Um, they're used to a certain degree of responsiveness and immediacy that the right. um, optical viewfinder gives you. And so far, that's one of the big sticking points um, for, for these kinds of photographers when it comes to considering switching to a mirrorless solution. Because in general, um, electronic viewfinders have not quite been able to um, bring their performance to uh, you know to the point where they can replace optical viewfinders from that perspective. So what, what's Sony done on that front here? Well, this... Uh, this aspect that you mentioned matters, especially when you're shooting in burst mode, when you're trying to take a lot of pictures very quickly. And at the same time, you want the camera to track your subject and not lose yeah. focus. So that's where optical viewfinders have traditionally been way better than electronic ones. And this is the thing about the A-mount cameras, in case you don't know, despite looking like DSLRs and being DSLR-like in terms of size and weight, they do have electronic viewfinders because the mirror is not actually diverting the image to the optical viewfinder. It's just there to sort of separate a small portion of the light to a dedicated autofocus sensor, but the EVF is entirely electronic. So you don't get a moving mirror. You, you cannot look through the viewfinder and see uh, through the lens, if, if that makes yep, sense. Yep. So these are basically just like mirrorless cameras in the way that they operate electronically. And the the feature that Sony introduced recently on the A6300 is a new mode called live view mode. And this allows you to basically keep the image on the viewfinder 
to keep it displaying real-time action instead of uh, when you when you normally take pictures in burst mode, you get a preview of the last shot that you took. So what you're seeing has already happened. In this new mode, you're always seeing real-time action through the viewfinder, even if you're taking pictures. Right, but is that different from the ability to turn off um, the previews? Like if, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, my Fuji now, and there's an ability to turn off the automatic preview uh, in burst or otherwise after you take a shot. Is that like, uh, it, does this mean that there's no blackout at all on the Sony cameras in live mode? There is a small black, it, it, there's actually more of a blackout in the live view mode than there is in the regular uh, 12 frames per second. Because let me, let me try to explain this. The 899 Mark II can go up to 12 frames per second when you're shooting in normal mode. Right. But if you want to use the live mode, it goes down to 8 frames per second. It's slightly slower. Okay. So the, the key difference is, here is at 8 frames per second, the camera can keep up showing you real-time info on the viewfinder. And even though there is a slight uh, blackout between shots, that blackout is sort of like, it, you can imagine it just as if you were blinking. Yeah. Whereas when you're shooting at 12 frames per second, the blackout is shorter technically, but what you're seeing is not real time. I don't really know how else to explain it, but it makes a whole a, a, a world of difference. If you're, for example, seeing a person moving and you're shooting at 12 frames per second, the person appears to be moving like in steps. Like you see, you see the steps of the person moving. Whereas when you're shooting in live view mode, even though there are blackouts, you do see the fluid movement of the person at all times, which makes it a lot easier to just keep them uh, in the correct framing. Right, yeah, and it makes it easier to anticipate their motion for less predictable subjects. Exactly. And they made a big, they made a big point of uh, explaining to us that they also have implemented the advanced focus capabilities of the, of the E-mount cameras, like face detection and eye autofocus. And face detection in particular is incredible because it really makes a difference in how accurate the camera is to focus, especially when you're shooting, of course, people. That's That much is obvious, but it really makes a difference. And just to circle back to something that you mentioned about the size and weight, um, you, you kind of alluded to this, but it's obvious even from the press photos that this is a much larger camera physically than uh, the A7 series, which is to be expected. And actually, you and I were uh, suggesting a few episodes ago, I don't remember which episode it was now, that we'd love to see Sony pursue basically this, where they take the uh, sensor technology that's in the modern A7 series cameras, but they put it into a body that's built um, with durability and you know additional functionality in mind. And it's not kind of constrained by this stereotypical uh, mirrorless notion that things have to be uh, small all the time. And this is essentially um, that exact prediction come to life. But um, what do you think of it from a, just a physical perspective? Like, does this fulfill uh, the vision that you and I were talking about? Or is there some more nuance to this? Well, not exactly. I mean, I still think there's room for a, a rumored A9 camera to be in the middle of these two, because uh, despite Sony having just released this camera, they are, after all, betting much more heavily on the E-mount. And I do think there's legitimate need for a more robust E-mount camera. Right. So I totally see them releasing such a camera in the near future, probably even next month. And it's going to make this one look like an old camera because it will have a better sensor, a more advanced sensor. This one, despite Sony saying that it's a new sensor, it's basically 
spec for spec, it's identical to the one in the A7R Mark II, which is a year old. And in Sony years, that's like 10 years old. So Yeah, I mean, that was what confused me. And, and what I wanted to ask you is because I understand that the focusing technology is different because of the hybrid um, technology that you've you've described to us. But effectively, we're, we're talking about the same sensor on this camera as the A7 series, which is unusual in my mind, at least, for Sony, because they're, I'm just so used to them, uh, you know, announcing a new body that really pushes the sensor technology forward as well. And this doesn't, like, the positioning of this in their product line is just a little odd to me because I, I don't quite know how to take it. And they, they've kind of um, described it as being a parallel flagship with the A7R Mark II, uh, which is fine. But you're saying that um, your expectation would be that they're actually going to be announcing more cameras this year. Um, and in that case, I agree with you, it would be a little strange because this one almost feels, I don't know, like it doesn't really have a place in their modern product lineup. Like who who is this for? Like why why would someone be buying this instead of an A7 series camera? Is it literally just for existing A-mount users? I think so. I think this is Sony just taking care of existing customers and telling them not to worry uh, that even though they're showing E-mount and new customers a lot of love in recent years and they seem to have forgotten about them. Uh, that they're still they still remember and they and they still love them. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's what this is because at the end of the day, like you say, uh, this is not a groundbreaking camera in many ways. I mean, it is because it's the first camera that manages to shoot incredibly fast, high resolution pictures. I mean, we're talking twelve frames per second at forty two megapixels. That's a lot of data being processed. Yeah, it really is. It's, in, it's compelling, really. If only because of that, it's a worthy addition to the lineup in my mind. But going beyond that, this is, yes, it inherits existing technology and sort of earns co-flagship status, but it's not taking it further into the future, which is what Sony usually does. And yeah, they're saying that they've added a new front LSI image processor, which is supposed to make uh, low light performance even better than the one in the that the, the A7R2 is capable of but uh that seems like a minor advantage like it's not really anything too substantial i would say and i guess it's it's got something to do with the earthquake i mean it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if sony was planning originally to introduce a new sensor in this camera, but couldn't because the the earthquake uh, threw away their production plans and they decided to reuse an old part instead. That would make sense. Yeah, that's fair. And if, if that's the case, then that's that's not a problem. And quite frankly, uh, it's, it's worth being fair here and saying that Sony's sensor technology is ahead of the curve anyway. So yeah. the fact that this camera doesn't push it even further is really not a bad thing. Like it, it's it's all right. And like you said, the, the sheer fact that they've managed to pull um, so much data around, um, you know, 12 frames. I'm just trying to think of the, the size of the raw files at 42 um, megapixels. Like that's a lot. They must have really, really gigantic buffers. Right. And the buffers are deep too, because I could keep shooting forever and it wouldn't slow down. Like it, it was Even impressive. In raw? Yeah. 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 Wow. Even in raw. And, and not only that, but you can also get instant preview. You just as soon as soon as you're done uh, with a shutter, with a burst, sorry, you can hit the play button and it instantly comes up. Like you don't have to wait for it to finish writing to the card to show you the picture. 
And just speaking of cards, is this um, like UHS-2 SD cards or are they using uh, QXD? It, I'm not sure about that. It's, it's it's SD cards for sure. They're not using those compact flash yeah, yeah, yeah. thingies. Okay. But I'm not sure about the, the specs of the cards. Right. Yeah, just wondering because this is like unprecedented levels of uh, burst performance in terms of buffers, if that's true. So I, I'd be very interested to see what they're like if it's if it's because of the way they're handling the buffer on the camera or if they're taking advantage of some new card technology to do it yeah i I would bet on them doing it with the buffer and then writing the data perhaps more slowly to the card that would make sense i'm not sure though but that would make sense so what do you feel about um the pricing i i don't know exactly what the announced list price was but um where does it fall for you in the ecosystem this was interesting because they directly compared them to the Canon 5D Mark IV and the Nikon uh, D810. Okay. So they put up a slide where the, the A99 Mark II was next to the other two, which they called brand C and brand D. Right. Because, <laughs> of course, they're not going to say a competitor's name in one of their product slides. But yeah, that was a bit silly. And then there was the, you know, the Nikon D5 and the Canon 1DX. There were like sort of the higher end professional grade cameras, which are more expensive. So I would bet to, that they're 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 going to price this camera right in line with the with the Nikon D810 and the 5D Mark IV, maybe three three thousand, three thousand five hundred, something like that. Okay, I mean it's it's just interesting because I I try and think of. Um, how Sony's various cameras compare to the competition. And if they're positioning this one against the 5D Mark IV, then it's almost like, is is the A7R Mark II also to be compared against that? Or in their mind, is it comparable to the like 6D or something like that? Like, I'm just trying to understand how they see themselves in the market. I guess you could make the argument that there is no real um, comparison to the A7 series cameras because they are... Uh, they're they're bringing very high end technology into a much more modestly priced body, uh, comparatively speaking. Well, the A seven R two is roughly the same price, so I think it it can stay. Like the the comparison is totally fair. Right. I, I don't think you need to take that out. I would argue that the A seven two is more comparable to the six D, uh, but the the R two is definitely in line with the flagships from Canon and Nikon. Yeah. Right. No doubt about it. And and in Sony's eyes, it's even higher than that because if you if you look at even the 5D Mark IV from Canon, and you go spec for spec, the A7R2 is still ahead. Oh yeah, in most cases. And then of course we can argue about convenience and the DSLR and battery life and all those things, which uh, in which Canon is still ahead by a significant margin. But the main features that regular consumers will look for, Sony has a pretty good product on their hands right now. So they're confident and that's it for sure. And just because you mentioned battery life, was there any word on what that's going to be like on the A99 II versus the A7 series where it's still like those are still gripped by the same plague that unfortunately all of the mirrorless realm seems to be suffering from, which is terrible battery life. Uh, have they improved that here? They didn't say anything specifically about that. So I would say to expect, at, in best case scenario, the same battery life as the original A99. Right. Because if they had managed to improve upon that, they definitely would have told us. So. Yeah, it's a shame. Just because, you know, with a bigger body, you theoretically have room for uh, a bigger battery. 
um, or a second battery or something like just just to to try and mitigate this uh, this issue because it's getting it's getting a little ridiculous um, and it, I feel like it's holding back the entirety of the mirrorless technology because no company has yet taken the step of saying okay you know what forget I, you know we we understand trying to take care of loyal users who have a collection of our previous generation of batteries but we really need to just invent a new higher capacity battery make the change and then just sort of like try and push that technology forward because we're we're getting to the point where um, it's one of the final remaining sticking points for people who are heavily invested in a DSLR ecosystem of whichever flavor. And they're saying, you know what, everything else is great, but I I do not want to be switching batteries in the middle of my wedding or whatever it is that that I'm shooting. Right. right? And that's that's a very valid concern. Like there really is no answer to that in the mirrorless lineup right now, unfortunately, besides battery grips and stuff like that, which at best get you up to average DSLR level battery performance so it's just we're that's that's a big problem that still needs to be solved i was kind of hoping that that sony might be the one to uh you know to just push us past that threshold yeah it's too bad and olympus recently did a uh a fair fair bit of improvement on their side because the new em1 mark ii has a 40 percent longer battery life and the battery itself is a lot bigger too right and we're going to talk uh, about olympus in yeah, this is a story for another day, so stay, t- stay tuned for future yep. episodes. That's a little bit of foreshadowing for you guys. Not so subtle foreshadowing <laughs> after all, but anyway, yep. it works. So yeah, it's a bit surprising because the A99 Mark II and the A- the A-mount cameras in general from Sony, they are big enough to definitely have a lot bigger batteries than the ones you can fit on an A7 II, for example. And it's too bad to see that they still don't manage to squeeze that much battery life out of them. Maybe next year. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know h- how many actual shots you can expect to get out of one of these, but it just holding it and feeling how big it is and how heavy it is, it feels like it should last forever. Right. And because I, I, I spent like, yeah, like 10, 15 minutes with it. And by the end, my arm was already getting tired. And granted, I was using it with a heavy lens. It was a 70 to 200 f 2.8, which is probably the biggest and heaviest uh, normal lens that you can typically expect to use for that system. And the, the worst thing was that they gave the cameras to us with the lenses, but without any straps of any kind. So I couldn't just hang it from my neck or anything. I had to keep it in my hand and I was super worried that I might drop. Yeah, that would have been an expensive mistake. Because that would have been like, what, like $6,000 or something like that right yep. to the floor. and. <laughs> Yeah, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been nice, but luckily nothing happened. So, I'm, I I live to tell. Yep, and we're grateful for it. Um, what other stuff uh, did you see that's kind of Sony flavored um, at the show? Because I, I my understanding is that this was basically their their one and only major announcement. We we did get that. Uh, you know, yet another 50 mil lens um, the other week, but exactly. <laughs> uh, did they bring out any new 50 mil lenses or something else? Or what? What else did you see that? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, I did leave at about 5 p.m. from the Sony stand, so maybe they had a whole hour where they could have announced at least two more 50 millimeter lenses. Wouldn't surprise me at this point. Yeah, but yeah, so far I'm not aware of any any new lenses. <laughs> but they did have a fairly large hands-on area. They where they had the, their more recent announcements. They were all available for some hands-on time, but just for the general public, this was not a private event or any or anything. Just the regular Sony stand. Yeah. So you could go there and you'd see a bar where there there would be uh, A7R2 cameras with the newer lenses mounted on them. 
and they were looking, uh, they were overlooking a nice area with foliage, green foliage and tall grass and everything. Of course, all fake, but it looked it looked cool. And there were models there that where you can uh, you could shoot them, you could shoot portraits and, and stuff. And it was pretty cool, actually. It was really, really cool. I hope to stay uh, a little, to spend a little bit more time there tomorrow uh, because I, I just didn't have enough time to to stop by today. It was a really busy day, but it looked it looked very good. And um, among the lenses that I saw uh, were the new 50 millimeter f1.4 Sony size lens, and that thing is huge, like really huge. I'm I'm starting to get used to my 35.14, but that is significantly larger than than this right. one. And uh, yeah, and it's heavy too. And then there was, of course, the 85 millimeter G Master lens, which everybody wanted to try for some reason, uh, even though it's fairly old news already. Well, I guess but it's still not quite it, as uh, common in you know like their daily lives right. as other things. So that that makes sense to me, and it's the kind of lens that and people love that bokeh man. Yes, they do. <laughs> Round bokeh balls. Now that Josh is not here, we can rave about it. Yeah, he'd be telling us all sorts of different shapes that they're supposed to be and things like that. So anyway, long story short, yeah, uh, I expect to get more hands-on time with uh, the more recent uh, Sony announcements, including, of course, the, a the A6300 and the RX1R Mark II. I would love to try those, and I will try tomorrow, see if I can, if I can get away with it. And I'll be happy to report back. Uh, so far, the first day was jam-packed with interesting stuff. I did get to spend a little bit of time in the Olympus stand, which we'll talk about tomorrow probably or the day after that. And um, and basically getting to know my way around the, the trade show. It was It's a really, really big place. Like you can definitely get lost. And I actually did a couple of times. I had to look up the whole plan on the website to figure out where you were, <laughs> find out where I was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And I got to meet some celebrities if, if you will, I got to meet some people from our little photography internet community, uh, including Mathieu and Heather from Mirror Lessons, which were just so, so great. Uh, su such nice people. And towards the end of the day, I also got to meet Matt, Matt Granger, uh, who was there. I don't know why, but he seemed, he seemed really pissed off. Uh, I saw him first early in the morning. I guess he was having trouble with the Wi-Fi and stuff. But then I got to say hi, and he was also very nice. So and then you gave him a hug and all was better, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I said, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's just kidding. It, it was just great getting to meet these people that you follow on the internet and I hope to meet more of them in, in the weeks. So. Well, I have a feeling that you yeah. will because I've, I've been watching even on Twitter and there are a number of people who I follow that I know are not arriving until like the second or third day. So I have a feeling that you're going to be spotting more and more of these uh, uh, celebrities as the, as the show wears on. And uh, of course, next time. Yeah. I, I wanted to meet the digital ref TV guys, uh, you know, Kai and Locke, they're both there. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see them. I didn't run into them. But I then saw on Twitter that they were both here. I was expecting Kai to be here, but I wasn't expecting Locke to be here as well. 
So I'm very eager to say hi if I if I come yeah you should them. do a group selfie if you find them just uh, <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> um, all right, well that sounds like a pretty interesting first day at the show. Um, like you've said, and like we said at the beginning, we're actually going to be doing more episodes. This is going to be a very busy week for us in terms of content. So you can expect an episode on Olympus. You can expect an episode on Fuji, and potentially more as well, depending on you know what Alvaro finds and and what the news ends up being. But uh, in the meantime, of course, send us your comments and thoughts um, on what you think of this format. And if there are any particular questions about the show and the products, um, also send them our way, especially during the show this week, because then we can just send Alvaro on an errand to discover the answers for you, because uh, he's right there. So absolutely, it's very convenient for us. Anything I can do, I'll, I'll be happy to track whoever can get the answers for me, or I'll. I'll get them out of them myself so there you go <laughs> absolutely and by the way if you thought the olympus bit was foreshadowing the fuji episode is going to be medium format foreshadowing. oh so, my yeah. god on that <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note i think uh, how subtle how subtle was that uh, not very not very <laughs>